Hey, you're listening to Terrifying Travels. Join two friends as we discuss a true crime and a paranormal story in a new city every week. I'm Sabrina. And I'm Maddie. Maddie, where are we going? We are going to what I consider my second home. Uh, you might consider it your second home or your third home. Uh, Honestly, are, I would just say we're going home. We're going home to Beijing, China. I loved, like, I tell people, like, honestly, Beijing felt more like a home to me. This may be a therapist's issue, but Beijing felt like more like home to me than most places. Mm, yeah, I feel I, that. So I am so happy to be discussing Beijing. Ah, I'm so excited. If and I wasn't still in my sleepy mode, I could probably get this introduction done in Chinese, too. Oh, oh. Yeah. Your, yeah, your Chinese is a lot better than me, mine. So at the top, I'm just going to go ahead and apologize. <laughs> My Chinese is going to be terrible. <laughs> so, uh, so sorry. At the top My, the My accents are terrible. That's why I won't try. Because if you get that accent wrong, it is a whole new word. Yep. yep. And I am well aware that every word I say, I am saying the right letters. I am not saying the right accent. Mm, mm, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I can read the pinyin and kind of get the sounds, but, like, don't ask me tones or nothing. None of that, please. Oh, that's it. Sorry, not accents. Tones. Yep. Yep. Yes. No, hard skip on that. Mm. Okay. So do you want to discuss some interesting facts about Beijing? Sure. I'd love to hear some facts. Okay. So I've actually only got seven of them because, unfortunately, searching up Beijing facts and laws just kind of went general to all of China. Mm-mm. And I wanted to save because, obviously, this will not be the only Chinese city we do. No. And I wanted to save some of the other fun ones for other cities as well. Mm-hmm. So we mostly only have um, facts. Okay. 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 So Beijing is almost 3,000 years old making it one of the oldest cities in the world. Beijing has changed its name 15 times, including Beiping, Peking, Dadu, Jicheng, Yanjing, Nanjing, and Zhongdu. Mm. Which, of course, we know Nanjing just moved south. Yep, yep. And I think there's a Yanjing that I know of, too. Yanjing? Yeah, 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 I think so. I might be mixing it up with Yanan, though. Oh, that's a good point. Okay. It was the capital during six dynasties starting in 221 BC. Which is just, you know, it's it's weird. Like, 80 doesn't, or sorry. Yeah, 80 doesn't surprise me. Like, I know things go back all the way to, like, 1100 and stuff like that. BC blows my mind, though. Yes, yes. Like, my my brother, because he uh, majored in Asian history... So he collects, he has his own little samurai. Well, he would never let me call it a little samurai, but moving on. He has uh, two Chinese coins from like 580. Oh, wow. And like, it just blows my mind that legally you could have something that is from 80. No, BC, 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 BC. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which like, it's older than Jesus. True. That's what BC means. (laughs) Yes, like literally. (laughs) I went to go buy a Megalodon tooth, and it just blows my mind that, like, that I can hold something that's a million years old. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's, oh, that blows my mind. Mm-hmm. Okay, Beijing has seven UNESCO heritage sites, which I think is the most of all the places we've been to so far. Yeah, I would say so, yeah. 
The Beijing Capital Airport is the second busiest in the world. That checks out. That checks See, out. I've only been there with 15 tiny children, so I was paying attention to them. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's the first city to host both Winter and Summer Olympics. The first city? That's why it was such a big deal, because it held both. Wow. Yeah, that's why they were not losing the, sum- the uh, Winter Olympics last year. Yes, yes. I'm still so angry, though. They didn't have public tickets for sale. Well, that and honestly, it kind of made it easier for me to leave then. Mm, If I had left, because I left in January and the Olympics were in February. If I had left and they opened seating up to people, I would have, that would have been a very big regret in my life. Yeah, yeah. But the fact that. You left a year ago now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's crazy to think about. Honestly, like I just spent the last two months going, wow, this time last year. Wow, this time last year. Yep, 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 yep. Oh, yep. Christmas, Christmas was weird. Mm. Um, in a good, bad way. Yeah. Okay, and then the final fact is the most important fact. Beijing is where we met, September 19th, 2019. Oh, <laughs> that was cute. And that that is so weird to think about. I remember, I like, thinking back to that week was so weird. Oh, my gosh, yes. Like, oh. yeah. Those two weeks in the hotel and, like, oh. My shower started showering even though the shower was off and the shower was coming from the roof. <laughs> that was yes. fun. Trying yes. to get to my center is where we got trained. Mm, yes. Yes. Yep. Oh, that's um, fun. We won't reminisce oh, too much on that. That feels like a lifetime ago, though. Oh, right? my God. <laughs> like, I remember getting there, and that's how I met one of our coworkers, was I arrived first. No, I arrived second. She was first. Mm-hmm. And none of us, we couldn't get any of our VPNs to work, so we just mm-hmm. went downstairs, met each other, and we were just so thankful to meet somebody else. Yep. Who, like, we had no idea what was going on, but at least there was two of us in it. Yep, 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 yep. And then we went to get lunch, which was $4, and we bumped into Michael. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah yes, yeah. and, like, I love Michael. Michael was so chill. Rather than mm-hmm. being like, oh, great, there's more people here. He just said, hey, guys, how you doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I assume you're with my group, right? And we're like, yeah. Okay, cool. Well, I'm going back to my room. I'll see you guys later. <laughs> he's just so chill and he's still there yeah. I think he's just doing his thing I think he's at a kindergarten yeah well he left and went south quite a while ago his oh. photos are incredible yeah 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 I am living through him because he got to go to Tibet oh I didn't oh I want to go back so bad yeah um. yeah let's not let's not go into all the things that we didn't get to finish while we were there Ah, yes. <laughs> like I tell people, I think we were actually really lucky that we were there during COVID because I got to go to the Great Wall completely alone and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But there were a mm-hmm. lot of things that we wanted to do that we didn't get to do. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so you have 10 things that TripAdvisor says we should be doing, right? I have the top 10 list. Yes. And I think I have been to every place on this list. I think you have too. <laughs> So we're going to play a little game. Oh, but before uh, you start, though, mm-hmm. I will be letting you know if those are UNESCO World Sites. Cool, 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 yes. cool. Yes. Okay. 
Yes. Go for it. So our little game is that these are all split into three categories, a section of the Great Wall, a temple, or another historical landmark. So before I say what the next one is, I want you to guess which one of, I want you to guess which category, and I'll keep score of how many points you get right. What were my categories again? A section of the Great Wall, a temple, or a other historical landmark. And okay. I'm defining that as like a park or like um, Tenement. Everything in Beijing yeah. is historical, so. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So are you ready to hear this list? Okay, let's go for it. All right, number 10, what category do you think? Oh, you're not going to tell me what, it, like, the name or anything? You're just going to go nope. for it? Yeah. Oh, okay, well, that's not impossible. Okay. <laughs> Let's go with a historical site. Ding, 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 ding. Good job. Number 10 is Jinshang Park. Oh, I, that's such a beautiful park. Right. Oh, my gosh. Located on the highest point in Beijing, this park was built in 1179 during the Jin Dynasty and today provides visitors with sweeping views of the forbidden city located below. It is a very typical Chinese-style park, which means it's well cared for and laid out very well. The temples are in a typical Chinese style, and you will see, as you will see in hundreds of places, but still very, very nice. The view of the Forbidden City and the rest of Beijing is why you come to the park and make the climb up to the top because it is the highest point in Beijing. Well, the highest hill in Beijing. It's not a huge park. It will only take you a short amount of time to walk around, but you can spend uh, a lot of time just wandering and exploring. Get there before sunset too. The sunset yes. view is beautiful. Isaac firmly believes that it's the best uh, view in the city. I, I would agree with that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So that is our number 10. Number nine. What do you think? What category? Let's go with temple. Mm, okay. Uh, unfortunately, no. <laughs> number nine is the Great Wall at Huanghua Chen. All Huang Great Walls are part of the UNESCO sites. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. yes. Also, your game is impossible, Maddie. <laughs> Just think all the most popular places and then just make a guess. <laughs> okay, okay. Llama Temple. It's going to be there eventually. <laughs> Number nine is the Great Wall at Huanghua Chen. Huanghua Chen Great Wall is the wild section that is located near a lake and a reservoir. The this water part. Parts. Yes. This part of the wall is called the Yellow Flower Fortress, and it's a fantastic place for hiking. Um, it has mountains and lakes and, of course, the ancient Great Wall. And there's very few people to be found there, but it's becoming very popular with hikers and kayakers and everything else. And it's nicknamed the Lakeside Great Wall. And this is my favorite part of the Great Wall. I have been there four I think, times. Like, I think it's honestly, I, I feel it's the, one of the easier hikes. Yes, yes. It's one of the easier hikes. It's fantastic if you love outdoor recreation. I went there two times for kayaking, one time for camping, and the other time just to like go for the day. You can get there by two hour bus from Beijing and it's just amazing, amazing. I love this Great Wall. I'm so sad it's only at number nine, but I absolutely love this Great Wall. Um, I will make a prediction that you're gonna give me points for, okay? okay. Battling and the Mu Tianyi part. They're going to be yes. on there. Yeah. 
I'll I'll give you points for that. They are on there, and I'll give you points for the Llama Temple because it is <laughs> also on the list. But you have to guess what numbers they are. Oh Lord, uh, the I cannot pronounce this one. Mu Tianyi, I think that's number mm -hmm. one, isn't it? Yes, unfortunately. Yeah. Yep. Which honestly, uh. Everyone, of course, everyone gets really defensive. That everyone's got their own opinions. Battling killed me. Mm, mm. And everyone's like, well, it's actually not even that hard. And it's like, no. The fact that I can lean back and be sitting down, nah, battling's impossible. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Okay, number eight, I think? Number eight. What do you think? What is category? that a temple? Can I have a temple now? Ding, 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 ding. It is the Lama Temple. Okay. Yang Gong. That is not a, a UNESCO site. No, 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 no. Number eight is Yang Gong or the Lama Temple, an amazing Buddhist temple in the heart of Beijing. This beautiful temple complex was built in 1694. It was formerly a prince's home and then a royal palace and then finally became a temple in the mid 18th century. The Lama Temple has beautiful grounds, amazing architecture and actual practicing monks. So be very respectful when you go there. Um, that did yeah. surprise me when I went there. I was not prepared for that. Right, 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 right. Yes. And don't take pictures of the Buddha statues. Yeah, I did. But don't do that. Don't do I that. literally I literally walked out and then saw the sign. Mm, mm, yep, yep. It happens. It happens. Yep. Although, we, when we were in South China, um, Isaac and I have a friend who did this, and I thought it was a great idea. But some of those statues are incredible. Mm -hmm. Like, they're incredible. Um, and you know what? I think some of it is, the concept is dated. Like, flash photography from, like, way back in the day, that could have, that weird flash bulb might have affected mm -hmm. the picture. My camera isn't. So mm. I kind of just set my phone on record and put it in my back pocket. Fair, fair enough. I'm never going to post enough. either. The videos are terrible, but at least like I have that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Fair, 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 fair. Okay. All right, number seven. What do you think? Is that a great wall? No. Historical site. Yes, yes. There we go. Yes. So number seven is Tiananmen Square. Uh, which is not a, not a, oh, the, well, I mean the Forbidden City, so that's a mm. UNESCO site. Okay, right. carry on. Right, Tiananmen Square. Located in the heart of modern China and the site of massive parades and rallies, this was the site when, in 1949, from the Gate of Heavenly Peace from the Forbidden City, Chairman Mao announced the establishment of the People's Republic of China. So that is Tiananmen Square. And I got to say that, to me, that was the most intimidating part of Beijing. Yes. Because yes, you got to go through all the security to get there. Yep. Yep. But you got to get your Mao picture. Yes. Well, and honestly, yes. just, I love just watching the soldiers. They are so coordinated. Yep. 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 All right. Number six. What do you think? Uh, that's still a historical site. Ding, 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 ding. Number six is Beihai Park. Uh, yes. Okay. I went on a really bad date there. <laughs> the one with the uh, white pagoda. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. Although that was closed at the time because we went like early, early COVID. I think me and Grace accidentally snuck up there because 
you're supposed to buy tickets to like go up the stairs to go up there but we found like a sideway that like wasn't guarded or anything so we just went up there for free <laughs> i think the tickets are for another part there's another smaller like a like oh. enclosed city within Beihai that mm. you have to buy another ticket for and it's only like literally a quai oh the oh, pagoda you know. just head on up because you can get tea up there oh i don't know Anyway, number six is Beihai Park. Uh, Kublai Khan in 1260 took up Beihai Park as a residence uh, in the palace. And today, Beihai Park is a 168-acre park filled with historical buildings, restaurants, and a lake and the White Pagoda that I mentioned. And it's honestly probably the most beautiful park of Beijing. Every time oh, yeah. you go, it's different. And just go every season. Yeah, I, I have a soft spot for, personally, the Olympic Forest Park. Um, but Beihai is, like, a close second for me, for sure. See, and, like, I think, again, COVID affected that because the only time I went to the Olympic Forest Park, I went with a friend early, early COVID again, mm. and everything was closed, and it's actually a very fond memory of her. Everything was closed, and we were hungry. We were just trying to find somewhere to eat, and we ended up, we just walked and walked and walked and walked until we ended up eating McDonald's on the sidewalk. Yep. Yep. yep, yep, yep but, yep. So, and it was also, would have been either, I think it was late fall because everything was just kind of dead too. Yeah. 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 All right. Number five. What do you think? Um, can I have a great wall? Great wall for 500. Unfortunately, no. Historical site. Unfortunately, Temple. No. <laughs> Number five is the Temple of Heaven. Oh, yes. That is a UNESCO heritage site. Yes. Yes, is yes. Built in 1420 with a total area of 270 acres, this is the largest building for religious worship in China, which it was originally used for by the Ming and Qing emperors to pay homage to heaven and to pray for a year of rich harvest. And if you go at the right time, everyone's out there taking like either wedding photos or we had one. They were like reenacting like a sword fight just mm. for photos because, gosh, Chinese people love photos, which I love. I wish I could be more confident in public taking photos, but it was mm. fantastic. Everyone's dressed up. They, there was a guy doing like a high kick over a girl and she had a sword at him. Yeah, it was cool. That's awesome. That's awesome. And I, unfortunately, it was when I was not brave enough to take photos of people. So I don't have photos of that. <laughs> I feel that. I feel that. All right. Number four. What do you think? What category? Okay. So we have to have two parts of the Great Wall coming up. And the summer. Did we do the Summer Palace? We have not done the Summer Palace. Okay. So I'm just going to list my. The next four are going to be the two parts of the Great Wall, the Forbidden City, and the Summer Palace. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> Not in that order, but yes. <laughs> yes, you are absolutely right. So number four is the Great Wall at Badaling. The killer part. Mm -hmm. the, this part of the Great Wall of China is considered to be the only man-made project visible from the moon. Although it was once thought to build entirely during the Qin Dynasty, during between... 221 and 238 BC it is now believed to have been started earlier than that and it stretches more than 6,400 kilometers in length 
The concept of the Great Wall blows my mind simply right. because, like, what a powerful, le- well, I guess, like, they weren't really powerful leaders. They were just the emperors. You didn't have a choice. But can you imagine a leader telling us, I'm going to start this multi-billion dollar project, and you're not going to see the end of it. I'm not going to see the end of it because it won't be finished in our grandchildren's lifetime. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think in China, when we lived there, we had the joke that, like, the Great Wall was just the biggest flex ever. Like, well, and there's parts when you go to what's the water town's name? Uh, Huang Huachen. No, no, no. The water, the water town. Sorry. Oh, Gubei. Gubei. That's it. When you go Gubei. to Gubei and you look up, they put the mount, the wall, on the pointiest part of Beijing, too. It's on the Great Wall's on top of mountains, like. I couldn't even, like, I'm sorry, the Mongolians weren't even going to climb over that mountain. They're not going to climb over the wall. You could have just put a picket fence up. That, that's what I'm saying. I'm just, like, it's literally the biggest flex in that's history. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Like, ah, okay. Anyway, number three, I'm going to give you three options. You take a guess. Forbidden City, Summer Palace, or Miu Tianyu, Great Wall? Uh, Summer Palace. I'm sorry, it's the Forbidden, forbidden City. city. <laughs> Number three is the Forbidden City. Consisting of more than 9,000 rooms and spread over 250 acres, this huge palace complex was built in the 15th century and later extensively renovated and restored during the Qing Dynasty in the 18th century. I'm actually surprised that one's third. Yeah. But yeah. like I said, that one is hard to get into. Mm-hmm. I only yeah. went like late, late, late in my time there because once Isaac could go with me, but it's just kind of everything else you could just walk into. That one kind of scared me, especially during COVID. Yes, 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 yes. When I think it was closed for a while because of COVID. Yes, I think it was. I think it was closed for a hot minute. It's like uh, you can also go see Chairman Mao's body, which Isaac really wanted me to do, and I have. Again, we've talked about this. You and I probably have similar cultures and views on visiting dead bodies. You don't. You don't. Right. right. Yes. And I'm so thankful because of COVID, they didn't want COVID near him. So I yeah. can do it. <laughs> and I'm so thankful for that. Yes, 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 yes. All right. Number two. What do you think? Summer Palace. Summer Palace. Number two is the Summer Palace. The Summer Palace is the summer resort for the Qing Dynasty's royal family. It is covered three-fourths with water, and the rest are hills hills and palaces. Uh, The long corridor in the Summer Palace is the longest corridor in the world. Um, And you can almost always go and see, like, old ladies playing mahjong or something. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Um, from the eastern end, if you go to the moon gate, you can see, like, through the entire palace in a straight line. And then you can see it kind of twisting and turning like it's uh, a wonderland. Um, and it's just really beautiful to go there and see it at least a little bit. I also recommend Old Summer Palace, which is a little more north around the university area of Beijing. It's really good. Okay, and then the last one is number one. Mu Tian Yu. Yeah. Yeah. Mu Tian Yu Great Wall. In 1368, Mu Tian Yu Great Wall was built by Xu Da, who is the main general for the 
Xu Yanzang in the Great Wall Ruins of the Northern Qi Dynasty, linked to Gubei Ko, town of Gubei, in the east, and Zhu Yongguan in the west. This section of the Great Wall is the military hub uh, defense capital for in the ancient times. Um, surrounded by the mountains, the scenery is just really, really beautiful. It's known for its gorgeous scenery, and it's one of the essential pieces of the Great Wall uh, during the Ming Dynasty as well. And those are the top 10 things to do in Beijing. Okay, well, let me just, I'm not going to read through like you did in detail, but let's get through those because it has so many historical sites, all right, UNESCO sites. Yes. So yes. number one is the Great Wall, which I love how they just say the Great Wall, as if like mm. you can hit up all of it in one go. Yes, yes, yes. The Forbidden City, mm -hmm. the Temple of Heaven, yep. the Summer Palace, mm -hmm. the Ming Tombs, mm -hmm. uh, Peking Man Site. Oh, yep. Yeah. Uh, the Grand Canal, which is where I tried jogging and discovered that I literally, like physically, I'm not made to jog. <laughs> and Chengde Mountain Resort, which is, now that we have high-speed trains, it's about uh, an hour away from the city. Mm. Isaac mm. and I went, when we were supposed to go to Tibet, we went there instead because it's like a little Tibet. Oh. Apparently China went, and because there's so many cultural minorities in China. China went and made little sections for all of them. So the people from Tibet who live in China, they were set to live in Chengde, and it just has little pieces of Tibet all over it. Oh, that's cool. That's so there's awesome. that, that big red, I don't remember the name of it, but that big red castle palace thing in Tibet. Mm -hmm. There's a smaller one in Chengde. Oh, cute. Yes, cute, there's cute, no cute. Mount Everest in Chengde, but uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right. So, Sabrina, you got seven points in that <laughs> top ten. You did a very good job. And let's, can we jump right into your case? Um, You're going first. I went first last time. Oh, okay. So, can we well, jump right into your case? Yes, sorry. I got confused. Yes. All right. I got paranormal. Oh, I'm so excited. I uh, am. Beijing's got a lot of that. Yes, yes. Uh, as we know, Beijing is the capital of China and very, very, very ancient. <laughs> and uh, the city was established in 1045 BC. And, oh, even before the city was established, Beijing was settled by early humans, namely Homo erectus, with the Peking man being found in the Fengshan district. And he dates back to about 45,000 years ago. Homo erectus, if I got that right. Mm. And as such, there is a ton of history there, and thus a ton of ghostly stories, myths, and legends. So, Sabrina, I have three options for you today. I Would love like when you do this. Yes. <laughs> Would you like a mythological story, a modern ghost story, or a historical location ghost story? Um, gosh, I'm torn between the mythological one and the historical one. Which one is best? They're all pretty good. And I have to give a huge shout out to Bizarre Beijing. I contacted them on WeChat and they gave me all these articles for these stories. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Okay. 
Okay, which one did you have the most fun writing? Mm, probably the historical location one. Okay, historical location. All right, so we're going to talk about Beijing's most haunted house. And Sabrina, we have definitely seen this or been around it, and we had absolutely no idea. Oh, now I'm going to... Oh, you know what? We can send Isaac. Isaac can go in and record everything for us. <laughs> yes, yes. Located in the Chaoyangmen district on Chaoyangmen Inner Street, this is the story of Chaone number 81 or the Chaone Church. Now, to start off this story, the history of this place is really hard to get straight. No one really knows the real origin as to why this house was built or what was the purpose of this house. Um, this uncertainty is mostly because building records from before uh, 1949 are inconsistent or missing. One account is that the house was built in 1910 as a language school to, te to teach uh, Chinese to missionaries. Um, from there, it kind of broadened its educational horizons and welcomed in businessmen and diplomats. And it rumored that it was part of California College in China. Other historians say that California College was a different building and this Chowney house uh, was for a manager of a railway for a little bit. And still there's an even older account that the house dates to at least 1900 and was built as a gift from the Chinese government to the Catholic church. So the origin of the house itself is really highly debated and there's a lot of theories as to why it was built. But for one thing's for sure, in the 1930s, it became the property of the Roman Catholic Archdiocese of Beijing. It was used by Belgian Austinian nuns until 1946. Um, from there, the new government that took over after the Chinese Civil War, they took over the building and used it for various government departments and agencies throughout the 1950s and the 1960s. And then it fell into disrepair after that. In 1994, the Catholic Church was able to prove that it used the building in the past. And so the, gov the Chinese government gave it back to the Catholic Church, which is really interesting. Um, there were plans. Yeah. Sorry. Um, I took a second to get my brain to put everything together. Mm -hmm. I, there, I got, there's got to be nothing that upsets me more than when a building falls into disrepair. Yeah. Like, yeah. how do you, like, aside from the fact that, like, society, we've got things that could go into that building. Like, I don't know, homeless people. But also just, like, it's a beautiful building. How do you just let it fall apart? Like, how do you just right? walk out one day and be like, meh, I'm done? Right, right. And just keep building around it as well. Like, Yeah, because, like, not... I could understand, like, one day where my parents built our house, we're kind of out in the middle of nowhere. If, you know what, if 10 years from now we still haven't sold it, I could see it falling into disrepair because nobody's there. But when it's in the middle of a city, like, you walk by it every day. How do you just kind of forget it exists? Exactly. Sorry. Exactly. No, you're good. <laughs> you're good. You're good. Um, yeah. So the Catholic Church got it back in 1994. Uh, there were plans to make it into the Vatican Embassy in case Vatican City ever had good enough relations with China to need to send ambassadors to China. Um, but One more thing, too. Mm -hmm. This is right down that strip of street where all the embassies were, right? Yes, yes. It's right in the embassy 
department. It's really near San Luton. I will send you the location that they have on wiki, on uh, the Wikipedia. Because my case revolves around there, too. That's where all most foreign people lived in that area 100, yeah. 200 years ago. Yeah. Yes. So exactly. Even more, how do you guys just, nah, we're done with that building. Yeah. Yeah, I sent you the uh, Wikipedia, and it has, like, on the map where it's located. I'm like, we have been there. We have been there, like, because it's near Blue Flog. Like, we have totally been there. We've been around um, there. We've been there a lot then. Yes. Yes, it's crazy. Um, anyway, in 2009, the government listed the property as historic. And in 2010, the diocese began the process to kind of rejuvenate the building and maintain the building in accordance of historic preservation rules. In 2011, a Chinese film called The House That Never Dies was filmed and released based on this house, and it is the first Chinese movie that ever used 3D technology. Ooh. Yeah, so this movie caused around 500 people to visit the house every single day until the diocese decided to close the gates and only allow a few people in. Um, in 2016, the diocese uh, exercised the house, like did a whole exorcism on the house. And it was sold. I've heard of this house, yes, okay. Yeah. Yes, and it was sold in 2017, and it can now be rented as an actual home for 10 million yuan a year. I was going to say maybe we could have, but no. <laughs> no. <laughs> not a 10 million, absolutely not. Maybe we could have rented it for the hour? Mm, the hour, maybe, if we're lucky. <laughs> All of us combined. Yes, 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 yes. Now you may be thinking, Maddie, that's great, but how is it haunted? Let's get into it. So, a quote from the New York Times article from 2013, quote, Even in the 1970s, people thought the house was haunted. As children, we would play hide-and-seek in the house, but we didn't dare try to stay in the house overnight, unquote. The house is a host to at least one ghost, four disappearances, and other paranormal phenomena. So let's start with the one ghost in the house. Our ghost and one lonely sad ghost. One lonely sad ghost. Yeah. If I like, I don't mind if I one day end up being a ghost, but God, if I ended up alone, mm -hmm. and the way I get when I don't see people, I get really really chatty when I do see people. Hence mm -hmm. episode two that went on forever. Uh, but I can't imagine if I was a ghost, I would be. I would be in the most haunted house in the town because I just wouldn't shut up. Every time someone walked by, I'd be like, Hey, come on in, hang out with me, please. <laughs> yep. 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 <laughs> Our ghost in question has no name, as is common with female ghosts, but this lady is said to is be Is it a lady wife. in white? No, not a lady in white. No. But this lady is said to be the wife or mistress of a Kuomintang officer during the Chinese Civil War in the late 1940s. The officer fled to Taiwan to escape the communists, and the lady was left behind. The story goes that she fell into a depression and supposedly hang hung herself from the rafters. Some other accounts, however, say that she didn't kill herself and was just lonely and lived out the rest of her days and just died in the house alone. Um, it's really unclear, and the Archdiocese, of course, denies this story. Uh, but it is said 
that she is to be heard screaming in the empty house during thunderstorms. And that's all she really does. She just screams. Like, that's it. <laughs> she just Okay, so it's actually not screams. haunted. It's just Morgan that one year we had a lot of thunderstorms. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just, you guys could hear him from my house. It, it's just a random cat that went into yeah. the house. Or they say that the Archdiocese says that they think it's just someone who broke into the house during thunderstorms and just screamed for the sake of that legend. Um, I mean, if we don't still hear her, I would go with there probably is. Mm-hmm. Especially if it's near Sandleton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone got drunk and... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or, actually, it's the other way around. It's near Sandleton. So someone went shopping, got decided to go back there, looked at their receipt, realized that they just spent all their money at Chanel and Dior, and is screaming. Yes. It's me. Yes, this I am the ghost. <laughs> it's me. Hi, I'm the problem. It's me. <laughs> there we go. Take one for a song reference. <laughs> okay. So some... Other paranormal phenomenon is that anyone who walks by the building just experiences a feeling of unease or dread in general. Like you just, you get real uncomfy real fast around the building. And during the summer, it is always cooler in the mansion's doorway than any other entryway in the house for some reason. Not really sure why. Maybe some architect people could tell me why, but... It is always cooler in the mansion's main doorway than anywhere else in the house. No idea. Now, we have four disappearances. Um, The first one was a British priest who supposedly built the property and used it as a church, hence the name Chow Ne Church. He went missing before the building was finished, however. And investigators were sent to look for him and discovered a secret tunnel underneath the house that went to oh, a com- yeah yeah that went to a completely different neighborhood in Beijing, but they never found his body. And this was in the early uh, 1930s that this disappearance happened. So that would have been during Japan's invasion. And when Beijing was mostly surrounded by opium dens. So if a tunnel probably went to a brothel. And as a priest, you kind of can't come back from that. Oh, speculation. Speculation, of course. We can't. There's no way. It's just a disappearance. Like, we we have no clue what happened. Uh, Yeah. Um, And our second disappearance is of three construction workers who were working in the basement of a neighboring house. So they weren't in the house itself, but in a neighboring house. But then they got drunk on the job. You know that house is powerful when it connects to other houses. Damn. (laughs) The construction workers got drunk on the job and decided to break through the wall between number 81 and the house they were working on. What? And after that, they were never seen again. Well, yeah, the homeowner just killed them. <laughs> they were he never... just got drunk and broke down the wall. <laughs> they were never seen again. And these disappearances of these three construction workers led the government to cancel its plans to demolish the building in the late 1990s. 
Okay. So they're just like, these people disappeared. We can't destroy the house now. Oh my God. Like, what's going on? So yeah, four people disappeared around this house. Wild. Um, so yeah, that is the history and the story of Chao Ne number 81, the most haunted house in Beijing. And I really, really want to go. And if you're in Beijing, check out the Bizarre Beijing Haunted Walking Tour because they take you to this location as well as other haunted locations in Beijing. There is a haunted walking tour for my case as well, which, of course, I never got to do. <laughs> that was actually winter's fault. We, mm -hmm. Isaac and I were going to do it. We were going to read the book and then do it once we knew the case, because they have all the historical documents as well, so you could actually look at some of the documents, mm -hmm. um, which I kind of wonder whether that's true or not. You'll see as I tell you my story. But mm -hmm. we wanted to do it after we read the books, and then winter came. And then I left. Okay, and now it is time for my story. I got most of my information from the Paul French book, Midnight in Peking, which is really good. Ooh, okay. They're actually, they're hard to find in North America, because I am I left, I, did I give it to you? No, I don't believe so. Okay, well then I gave it, must have gave it to Grace, because Isaac and I mm. both bought it, so I wouldn't have given it, given it to him. Um, but it's a really good book. Ooh, okay. He's got, he's got one more that I'd also like to read. I think it's like Old Shanghai, but he's a historian who lives in China. So he's, and he now takes like historical actual things that happened and makes it into like a fiction, but nonfiction. Oh, gotcha. So this case has never been solved um, for reasons that will be discussed, but it should have been. We know who did it. Ooh, okay. I'm so excited. Yeah. I'm so ready. Okay, so I did this. Do you know? I assume you know Golden Girls. Uh, I know of it. I've I've seen an episode here and there, but I've never actually like watched it. I won't lie. I totally expected you to have seen Golden Girls. <laughs> I've I've seen a little bit, but okay, no. okay. So I started this in the voice, and it's not gonna work now that you don't know who it is. But I started this in the voice of Sophia. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So picture it. Beijing, 1930. The world in general, in general was a mess. Beijing was on the verge of being occupied by Japan, who was hoping to use the city as a base as they conquered the rest of China. Beijing was a small city at the time, only about 1.5 million people. The city itself was a fraction of what we know. Everything beyond the now gone city walls were known as the Badlands, consisting of opium dens and brothels, which is actually where I would have lived. <laughs> actually, that's not true. I would have lived so far because of the train. It was only an hour mm -hmm. ride from work, but because of yeah. the train, I lived so far away. I wouldn't even have been in Beijing. Yep. You probably lived in the brothels. Probably. That makes oh, sense. How. <laughs> Life wasn't great. Many believed death that death would come to them either by starvation or being massacred by the Chinese army. Most of the foreigners were either refugees who couldn't afford to flee the land they fled to, or middle upper class people who refused to leave their homes. One of the later was Edward Theodore Ch Oh, I can't, I hate when there's an L before an M. Chalmers? Or E.T.C. Warner. Cool. 
Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so we're just going to call him ETC or Werner from now on. Oh, cool, cool, apparently cool. I decided to call him Edward instead. That's right. Edward Ooh. came from a, it says deathly, but I'm going to go with wealthy. <laughs> I wrote these <laughs> notes so long ago. So he mm-hmm. came from a wealthy British family and moved to China early in life as a diplomat. Unfortunately, Edward often had unpopular opinions. This paired with bad social skills often led him to be posted to remote locations, probably an attempt to force him to quit. Regardless, Edward held on, and he married a prominent socialite named Gladys Ravenshaw. The two decided to call Beijing home after Edward's retirement in 1914. In 1919, the couple adopted two-year-old Pamela from a Portuguese orphanage. We don't know who Pamela's parents were, but they assumed that due to her fair complexion, her parents were probably Russian refugees. Gladys, however, died in 1922 of a possible drug overdose while dealing with meningitis. Which, I mean, she's sick, do cocaine about it. After this, Edward devoted his life to his daughter and educating her. At a young age, Pamela was fluent in Chinese and was often seen riding her bike unaccompanied around the city she called home. In the winter of 1936, Pamela was visiting Beijing and preparing to move to England to finish school, which, 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 ooh, which she was not excited about. She, was, she had been attending Tianjin, which is Tianjin, grammar school. Oh, I said that, in what is now Tianjin. And there had been some incidents possibly involving the headmaster making sexual advan- advances on her. And her father decided to just move her to England. He was also worried that Pamela was too social for her age and was attracting too much male attention in general. She was 19. On January 9th, 1937, Pamela went to the dentist in the morning and then returned home before 3 p.m. She left again shortly after telling Ho Ying a servant who worked in the house, that she would be back in time for dinner at 7.30. She even asked for meatballs and rice for dinner. Pamela met met up with a friend, Ethel, not going into last names, at the Wagons Litz Hotel. Pamela made a comment about having been there earlier in the day, but never said with who or why. In fact, Pamela may have left Ethel here for a moment, but we don't know if that was for sure. Pamela and Ethel made their way to Ethel's family house, where they had tea and biscuits. She said she wasn't too hungry, though, and didn't eat much. The girls then went to the skating rink, where they met up with Lillian. The three spent the rest of the time together, except for a brief period when Pamela went to talk to another unknown girl. Around 7.30, Pamela told the girls she was heading home for dinner, and... When the girls asked if she was okay going home by herself, she responded, nothing can happen to me here in Peking, which honestly, I felt the same way. I felt really comfortable while I was in Beijing. Yep, 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 yep. However, these girls are the last to have seen Pamela alive. Uh, And I have a side note here because I have a ton of side notes. Um, I think I just figured out how to work it and I enjoyed it, but I'm not going to be doing it again. It's confusing. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Both Lillian and Ethel were children of Russians. That probably isn't important to the story, but it is point, pointed out everywhere in the book. Mm. 
mm-hmm. at the time because the Tsar and Tsarina would have only been killed a couple years, maybe 10 years before this. Mm-hmm. So a lot of Tsar and Tsarina's family ran to China. Oh. And they were not doing well. Yeah. I gotta yeah. say, I'm always impressed when that happens, how someone can go from extreme wealth to extreme poverty. Yep. Um, and don't just give up. Mm, yeah. Like, that must be extremely hard. Yeah. Um, And then it also says, or I also say, I guess, Pamela really did love Beijing. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, her, yeah. Her father loved Beijing. His main focus was studying China and Chinese history. The two of them truly loved Beijing, which kind of makes it even worse. Yeah. Of yeah, all yeah, the people yeah. this could happen to, it was her. Mm. Um, when Pamela did not return home by 1030, Edward sent Ho out to look for her. But when he returned with no news, the skating rink staff were unable to give any information as it was Orthodox Christmas. So the skating rink was too busy for them to have noticed very much, especially if she kind of looked like she was fair skinned and fair haired. So she would have just looked like everyone else there celebrating Christmas. So she really would have just blended in. True, true, true. Edward sent her home. That's a fun one to say. And then went out looking for her himself before returning home at 1 a.m. Around 8 a.m., two rickshaw pullers noticed a pack of wild dogs gathered around a bundle at the bottom of Fox Tower. It was an older man, however, who saw this and decided to investigate. Everyone else just kind of looked, not my business, going to carry on. There he found the badly beaten and stabbed body of a European woman. I have a comment about Fox Tower. Fox Tower is one of the towers that remain from the city wall, possibly the southeast one, which I think is the most popular one, well-preserved, really pretty to visit. At this time, the wall would have still been there, and the rickshaw pullers may have been walking along the top of the wall, so they looked over the wall and didn't bother heading down there. They had work to get to. Okay. While this man went to call the police, the rickshaw pullers covered her body and tried to protect it from the dogs and onlookers. Police officer Han Shi Chung was in charge of the investigation, and he originally assumed the body would be of a destitute Russian who decided to die by suicide after Christmas. He realized he was wrong as soon as he saw the body. Even though this was outside of the legislation, sorry, I would say the legislation, legation quarter, and in Han's jurisdiction, he called W.P. Thomas, the legation quarter's police commissioner to help with the investigation. This may have been because it would be easier for Thomas to investigate inside the walls of the legation quarter, or it could have been simply a show of good faith. The murder of a foreign woman will become an unpleasant investigation regardless of who did it. Again, we were talking about this early earlier. The legation quarter was where all the foreign embassies were, and a lot of right. foreigners lived within the walls. It was a, it was enclosed at the time. Mm. Now it is quite literally just a street. Yes. The body was only identified when Edward, her father, who had resumed his search for Pamela when the sun came back up, happened to come across the crowd. She had been so badly beaten that he identified her by the clothes and the jewelry he had been wearing. Ooh. Which just sounds horrible. Ooh. At the time in China, bodies in the street were unfortunately quite common. 
either from suicide, starvation, or being executed by the soldiers or warlords. The police were used to, used to finding bodies each morning. However, Pamela was going to be different. She was not known to frequent the Badlands, uh, came from an upper-class family, so she should have been well-fed and gave no reason to have considered death by suicide. Her death was clearly a murder. You can't kind of beat yourself to death. Which meant either a foreigner killed her or a local did, and neither answer was going to satisfy everyone. Unfortunately, this was a situation where if you came up with a foreigner did it, the foreign community is going to be upset. Mm -hmm. It's also going to cause a lot of feelings among local communities. Yep. If the local did it, obviously the foreigners are going to be in uprise. Right. Um, so, yeah, it's a really hard one to answer politic with political uh, with diplomacy. Yes. That shouldn't matter. Getting to the answer should matter. But that's not even how it works now. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. This case also attracted a lot of media attention all over the world. So there were, was pressure to either solve it or it would need to point to someone that would not affect important people or deal with it really quietly. So mm -hmm. it is kind of sad that this was thought of pretty quickly. Yeah. Han asked Detective Chief Inspector Richard Dennis, who was a Scotland Yard veteran to assist. I guess he replaces W.P. Thomas at some point because we never hear from him again. Mm. He lived and worked in Tianjin, so he would be so he would be less likely to be pressured by diplomats from Beijing. Because mm. it's weird to think at some point, like now, it's like a half-hour train ride apart. But it yeah. was, at this time, it would have been a solid. Still, they had a train, but it would have been a longer train ride. So it would have yeah. been more like uh, Shanghai being influenced by Beijing now. Yeah, 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 yeah. But because he was a foreigner, he would still be more likely to get into the foreign community. Mm, yeah. This right. pairing of police forces was really unusual as they didn't often have crimes that affected both. You know, usually crimes among the Chinese community was just among the Chinese community. The Russian yep. community was just among the Russians. Yeah. And the foreign, the foreign community and the Russian community were considered two different communities. Because yep. the foreign community were like diplomats or people working. Um, the Russian community were immigrants, uh, refugees, and quite poor. So they would have mm. never, the Russians could never afford to mix with the diplomats. Right, 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 right. The crime scene itself helped them, helped get them started. Edward identified her by her very expensive jewelry that many would have not been able to afford at the time. The fact that it was still there means robbery was not the motivation. And I would think that it would mean it wasn't random. Too many people were living destitute at the time to have even accidentally killed someone and leave behind a platinum watch. I'm not going to lie. Mm. If I accidentally killed someone now, I'm not leaving behind a platinum watch. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, you've got to be wealthy <laughs> to look at that and go, eh, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The only thing missing were her skates and her bike. The mm. only blood found there was on Pamela's clothing. So she must have been killed somewhere else and dumped there. Oh. The autopsy showed that Pamela died from blunt force trauma to the head from a smooth object. The pathologist concluded that the force and the directness of the blow meant that Pamela might have known her killer. They also found that a lot of the stabbing and beating had been post-mortem and had been made by a double-sided knife. Like a hunting knife? A double-sided knife? Well, I'm just thinking, like, a kitchen knife is one-sided, but, like, a hunting yeah. knife is... 
Yeah. So, yes. Okay. Mm. Warning. Gets a little nasty here. Okay. Okay. Because this was a big one because of how nasty it was. Yes. Through two cuts in her abdomen, most of her internal organs had been removed and her blood had been drained. Her killer would have needed a bit of skill to do this as it was very cleanly cut. They included that the wild dogs could not have done this because there was no bite marks. And like I said, it was really clean. There was no ripping or tearing. Her heart was also missing. And the ribs that were were broken were broken from the inside. Uh, Which I don't even know how you would have done this. Yeah. Like that just, because I'm nuts, I think about this stuff. But I guess if you go through the inside to grab the heart and pull it out. But that's a weird... It's a weird angle to be pulling. Yeah. 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 Uh, also, like, I'm hearing about the organs and the heart, and my first thought is black market. Like, organ selling, trading, black market. Like. That would make sense. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if that was a thing then. I mean, I don't see why it wouldn't have been a thing then. How good were surgeries then? 1930s? China? 1920s. 1920s? China, probably not good, but you could probably survive if you had a transplant. You can make a try. I'm yeah. gonna go. With, I'm gonna go with it was more like my last case, more of attempted disposal. Yep. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. of who we come up with in the end. Yeah. Okay. A knife had also been used to mutilate her, making it impossible to tell if she had been sexually assaulted before her death. Sorry, I wish I put a trigger warning before that, but I feel like that alone is enough. I mean, if You've been chopped up there. I consider that assault. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Then again, 1920s, that might not have been. Pamela's stockings were torn and her underwear were also missing, which also to me suggests assault. One of her few organs left was her stomach. It contained Chinese food, which if you recall, she didn't eat with anyone who claims to have been with her that day. Her watch had also stopped at 12, so using this and her stomach contents, they put her death between 10 p.m. and 2 a.m. They declared her death sexually motivated. One of the doctors involved said it was it was not the work of an ordinary sexual sadist. I don't know. Mm. Yeah, duh. Most of us wouldn't do that. <laughs> it sounds like she was out doing some stuff and then she got late night nudes. Like... Late, late, late night noodles from those little uh, street food carts. Possibly. Yeah. 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 Oh, I miss some of that food. Oh. <laughs> Don't make me hungry while I'm talking Sorry. about people's Sorry. internal organs being Sorry. pulled out. Sorry. <laughs> the two de- detectives agreed that the killer had planned to dismember Pamela's body, but discovered that it was harder than it sounded, so they just dumped her. Obviously, a case like this generated a lot of false tips. Mm hmm. One was of a young rickshaw puller who was seen washing a bloody seat cushion. After being taken in for interviews, they learned that the blood came from an American Marine who had gotten into a bar fight. Many thought that Edward himself could have been responsible. He was known to have quite the temper and admitted himself that he had recently broken the nose of a boy he he thought was giving Pamela too much attention. Some suggested with a cane, he just went out and like, Fucked him right in the head. Some (laughs) suggested that maybe the police should also look into his wife's death as well. But the detectives eventually ruled Edward out. Mm. 
Yeah. Pamela's neighbors at the time were Helen and Edgar Snow, who were American writers. I actually came across them in my history book recently, who were getting involved with politics in the way that was definitely not bright for foreigners at any time, and especially not at that time. Mm. They were super involved. I can't remember. They were either involved with the Communist Party or very against the Communist Party. Mm. Um, no, I think that's how I know them. They were super involved with the Communist Party. They were actually going with them on their marches and documenting the leaders and, like, what they were doing. Oh, super okay. involved. Mm -hmm. Helen suggested that it was possible that assassins came looking for her and mistook Pamela for her which was possibly possible, especially in the dark. The detectives ruled this one out as well, as political assassinations were simply shot in the head. Mm -hmm. Just like mm -hmm. now when everyone's like, it was the mafia, and it's like nobody in the mafia would make such a mess. It would yep. just be dealt with and done. Uh -huh. Dennis was at some point convinced that, a, that it was a classmate who she had rejected who killed her, mm. which also was written out. Some believe that she could have been killed by the Japanese army as revenge, revenge against the British who did not prosecute two British soldiers who killed two Japanese soldiers the summer before. In 1938, Sir Edmund Backhouse claimed to have been told that this was the truth by Japanese soldiers, but some of his work was later proven to be fraudulent, which discredited, discredited this. The police spent the next few days retracing Pamela's last day, and we sort of learn more about her trip to the hotel. She went to the reception and looked into booking a room, but we don't know why. They ordered for the Badlands to be searched, since it was typical, typically where all the crime was, so it made sense that someone would know something there. It may have worked a little bit. A Russian landlady told the detectives about finding a bloody knife and clothing belonging to one of her tenants. The tenant was known as Pinfold. Uh, was brought down to Morrison Street, now known as Wang Fujing, you know, the shopping district. Was Wang Fujing! <laughs> anyway, with, keep uh, going. What is that? The biggest Victoria's Secret in Asia. Yep. Yep, that's what I remember. Pinfold was identified as a Canadian who deserted the army and flew to the U.S., fled to the U.S., and then fled to China after, after building a cr criminal record in the U.S. In China, he had been working security for warlords, he was recognized by a police officer as someone who had been an observer the morning they found Pamela's body. You know, they always return back to the crime. He also had a, had a business card for 20, 27 Chuan Ban Hutong, which was a bar and a brothel. Um, and he had been sent, seen that day next door at 28 Chuan Ban Hutong. Also why I couldn't live in Hutongs. They've, those things have got to be haunted as hell. Pamela typically avoided the Badlands, as did most um, wealthier foreigners. But she may have been taking a shortcut home that night that would have taken her right past both these places. Han took a, a route took the route of raiding 28 while Dennis pretended to be a casual visitor to 27. The raid on 28 went nowhere. Again, it was Christmas and no, no one remembered seeing Pamela. 27, however, did lead somewhere. The manager, American named Joseph, knew Pinfold. He told Dennis that Pinfold frequent, frequented weekend nudist and hunting gatherings, hopefully not at the same time, in the mountains. Did you know about that? 
there were hunting and nudist parties up in the mountains that we would huh. go where, probably where we were supposed to go on those pool parties. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which actually, yeah. now that I think about it, the, the not the hunting part, but the nudist part probably got pretty similar. Yes, yes, it is. Once question again, Pinfold admitted he was security at the gatherings and sometimes got women to dance naked for attendees. He claimed to know nothing about the bloody knife and Pamela. The blood on the knife was found to be animal blood anyway. Don't you, don't people wash things? Uh, like, I just can't imagine coming back from, not that I hunt. You know, I used to go fishing. You wash your stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. don't just put your knife down beside your clothes and be like, meh, that's tomorrow's problem. Mm-hmm. Yep, 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 yep. However, he did have keys to an apartment in the legation quarter, which meant that the British consul would have to allow him to face charges, but they didn't. Because he partially was in with the British uh, quarter. Mm, he was kind gotcha. of in control, but they decided not to let him face the charges. Possibly because they didn't want to start a precedent that would allow legation, legation residents to have to, to answer to Chinese law. Of course, after Pinfold was released, he left Beijing. What a coincidence. Of course. Would have seen that. Of course. of course. Yep. The police did get something from him, though. The organizer of these nudist parties was Wentworth Prentice, an American dentist who had been in Beijing with his wife and children since 1918. His wife and children had already gone back to the United States in 1932. There were concerns raised about the safety of the children, but nothing seems to have come out of them. Of course not. Wentworth had an apartment next to the skating rink, and when Dennis went to interview him, all the windows in the apartment were open because apparently in the middle of January, the landlord decided the place needed a new coat of paint. He claimed to have never met Pamela. In the English newspaper the next day, George Gorman, an Irish reporter, criticized the police for looking into Wentworth and that the killer is Chinese and not a Westerner. He personally vouched for Wentworth, which went well for him because now the police are looking into him as well. Mm. They discovered that he was also a member of the nudist club and his wife informed him that of course they knew Pamela. In fact, she had tea at their house and with their daughter on the 6th. Just, oh, just shut up. Nobody would yeah. have looked into you. Yep. Yep. Like, I, I, I don't encourage crime, but I could do it better than a lot of criminals. Mm. Yes. Around this time, Edward started causing problems with the police. His issue was simply that the flyers they made advertised advertising the re, the the reward money were only in English. His question was, how would anyone who speaks Chinese and probably has information, be able to read that their information is valuable. He also started to publicly announce his issues with the current investigation, even holding his own press conference on the steps of the British British legation. He stated that the lack of information as to why they released Pinfold was unacceptable, and that there was no religious practice in any Chinese culture that called for removing a person's organs, which was possibly, which was a suggestion that maybe some weird witchcraft was happening oh yeah. he believed that the killer was actually a westerner january 29th the inquest was reconvened and after listening to testimony from pamela's friends and officers investigating her death including autopsy report it was concluded that her death was an unlawful death and my side note here says duh 
The inquest was left open so someone could be tried for it at a later date. So now we are coming up to the Chinese New Year's festivities. What a timely one that was last week. Um, the, this year, they were, the festivities were supposed to be particularly big. As with the, Chinese, the, the Japanese invasion, a lot of people felt that this might be the last one, at least for quite a while. Yeah. And the city had changed so much. People really mm. wanted to celebrate this year. Yeah. Which yeah. I feel like a lot of things kind of not in such a big way, but I feel like a lot of this the, the history of the story kind of parallels our time in China. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. you know, had we known COVID was coming, New Year's probably would have been really big the year before. Yes. Uh, and a lot of foreigners were starting to flee the country because of the, the Japanese invasion. Mm-hmm. And when we were there, a lot of foreigners were fleeing because of COVID. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which they should have. True. China was dope during COVID. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was a good time. Tell people, how often do you get to go to the Great Wall completely alone? Yep. Yep. yep like, yep. even the emperor didn't get to go. We had a bunch of people carrying him. <laughs> After New Year's, a lot, of, a lot had changed. The Chinese occupation became stronger, and the city itself started changing. For this case, too, it also led to change. Dennis was called back to Tianjin, and many of the foreigners involved went involved, went on holidays to their home countries and never came back. Han lost hope that they would ever solve the case. With the, like, with the Chinese occupation, most foreigners who could, who could moved into legation quarter, all except for Edward. Again, Edward loved Beijing. He had no interest in, like, segregating himself off from the Beijing, yep, or from yep, yep. Beijing. Yep. No longer able to continue his academic research, he focused his whole energy, as if he wasn't already, into bringing justice to his daughter. Edward still had a pretty solid bank account, and that helped attract informants that the police couldn't. His investigation led him back to 28 Chuan Ban Hutong, whose owners coincidentally packed up and left Beijing the day after Pamela's murder. Edward also had a receipt from five weeks before Pamela's murder when she got orthodontic work from Wentworth Prentice, who claims he has never met her. Homie literally had his hands inside the girl's mouth, but never met her. Ugh. Yeah, sorry. That's how I feel about dentists. They're just yeah. hands in your mouth. It's gross. But <laughs> claims he never met her. He also ended up back at the young rickshaw puller, who told him a very different story. Funny what money can do for you. That night, he was at 28 Hutong, and he picked up two men and a girl who was wrapped in a white sheet and wasn't really able to move on her own. It was her blood on the cushion. Edward tried to use this to get the case reopened, but they felt that the puller was not credible. Um, as As political tensions got worse, it got harder and harder for anyone to help Edward. At some point, Dennis even had to start pulling away. Um, he was, Dennis was, they hoped it wouldn't happen, but Dennis was actually getting a little bit of flack for being involved in the case. He was told to just close it with a suitable Mm. answer. Yeah. He also found an entry in Pamela's journal for the summer of 1936, where she talks about going for a weekend to the same mountains, the nudist go hunting with George Gorman's family, and how he came on to her and she turned him down. Motive for murder? Edward thought so. Which is just so, you're coming on to your daughter's friends. You shouldn't have been doing that to begin with. And the girl turns you down. Move on. But whatever. 
Edward came to the conclusion that Wentworth Prentice, Joseph, and the other nudists lured Pamela to 28 Hutong for a Christmas party when they were really going to try to have sex with her. When she turned them down, they there was there was a struggle, and she was hit with a chair that had been broken earlier. I just, I always find this stuff so stupid. There are so many women who would have been down for that. Why not go yeah. for one of those? Like, yeah. I know it's a power thing and everything, but it's just mm-hmm. so stupid to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Edward had noticed this chair on one of his visits, and that one of the legs had been replaced with a piece of metal. After she died, they carried her to Fox Tower to dispose of her because it was not very well lit there. Since many of them were wealthy, by the time the police had got around to them, they had either paid off the witnesses or helped them leave the city. Dennis was arrested by the Japanese and sent to prison, but but was at some point freed and sent to England. He actually returned to China, which I think is slightly crazy, after the war and participated in the war crimes prosecutions against some of the Japanese officials who were involved in his imprisonment. He remained in China until until his death in 1977. Han was originally forbidden from talking to Edward, but in 1938 he had the chance to apologize for not finishing the investigation. We don't know what happened to him. In March of 1943, all the foreigners were gathered up and sent to an internment camp where they remained for the rest of the war. Edward confronted Wentworth and some of the other men he believed were involved at this time, but no one took the aging man seriously. After the end of the war, Edward returned to Beijing and continued to press for justice, but nothing was taken seriously. He eventually went back to England, where he died in 1954. Now, many also believe that the Fox Tower is haunted, and that could have played a role in Pamela's death. Fox Tower still exists and is one of the few parts of the city of the city wall that is still intact. You can visit it and wander around a portion of the wall and inside the tower. Um, I've uploaded some of my photos from my time there. It was built in 1564 by an extremely cruel emperor. Um, One article I read called him a meanie. Apparently his concubines tried to kill him a few times. So there, poss- there possibly was a few deaths while building it. The main haunted inha- inhabitants are the fox spirits, hence the name, that roam the tower. It seems that the foxes can take on the shape of humans, but unfortunately they really like rice wine, and sometimes they get so drunk they forget to be human and turn back into foxes. Uh. (laughs) I feel like I've met a couple of those Uh (laughs) There is a story of a watchman In the 19th century Who used to visit by Used to be visited by an old man During his shifts This old man would entertain the watchman With stories and poetry Then on Chinese New Year's They shared a little bit too much wine And the old man fell asleep And while he was asleep He transformed back into a fox And then slowly vanished the old man was actually the king of the foxes, who, to apologize to the watchman, who he obviously scared, he somehow increased his wages so that the foxman could retire in three years. Hmm. Now, here's the part that really, like, this is so after the fact, but it really got to me. Pamela and her mother are buried together in the English cemetery, cemetery which is now somewhere under the Second Ring Road. Oh. <gasps> Which means, yeah, we probably drove over the two of them. Yeah. Yeah. Which 
and stuff like that. Like, it's just crazy how in a hundred years, how much has changed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. there's now a major highway running right over a cemetery. Yep. 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 But yeah, we don't necessarily know who killed her, but we totally know who killed her. Mm. Um, yeah. So that's it. I feel hey. like I kind of just ended it, mm-hmm. uh, but there was no satisfactory ending. Yeah. I, I got to give Edward so much credit though. Oh yeah. Like, I'm not a parent, so I don't know what that's like. I assume all parents or many parents would continue on this much. But the fact that there was like invading forces coming and like we've all heard stories even within this. They were just massacring people left and right. He went to prison like at some point to not just say, screw this. I'm going back to England. It's really impressive. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Yeah. uh... I wish we could give more, but we don't have anything more. Yeah, it's just going to be one of those things you won't know unless you have a time machine. Yeah, because nobody was willing to talk. And, like, that's also one of those cases where, like, somebody knows. In fact, many people know. Just nobody wants to talk. All right, guys. Thank you for flying with us today. Join us in two weeks as we prepare your flight to Reykjavik, Iceland. Be sure to rate, comment, and share wherever you find your podcast. It's a great way to help us out. Thanks for listening and stay terrified. Bye. Bye.